Do you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I can see you taking two kibasis at once in college, but probably not on the sandwich. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The water does not work in our building. And toilets, well, they're becoming less and less available for good old number two. Uh, John Machina, program director, DVE, he pooped in one. Scottro, 96.1 kiss, he pooped in one. And me, Adam Richard Crowley. I pooped in one too. Did you save one for me and Tom? Or yes. Save two? There are still two stalls available on four. There is only one stall available on three. And God only knows what sales is doing five. Let's just rule five out. Five is done. Five's we can done. just say five is done. They've probably pooped on top of each other up in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Although, how many of them are actually working at this out? It's a good point. Yeah. Besides, most of them pooped on me earlier in the day. Yeah. Boom! <laughs> Chris Adamski writes for the trip. He poops. Everybody poops. He joins us now on the show. Adamski, it's been a long time, my friend. How you doing? I miss you, Adam, and this is what I miss is, is your, your highbrow um, brand of show that within 58 seconds of me being on the phone line, I heard about taking Kabasi and about you and Scott Rowe pooping, and I know both you and Scott. Now I have a terrible, a lot of images all over my head right now. Everyone poops, Adamski, okay? I, I, I agree. Are you I mean, a home pooper or are you a pooper at work? Will you poop at work? Yeah, you know what? I made a, it was my whole life until my mid-20s, I was falsely opposed to going to pooping anywhere but home. I, w- I was very much against this, and I would go to great lengths to not. But I, I don't know what it was. A, a flip was switched, and, and now I, I, I kind of look forward to that solitude. Like, you know, mid-game maybe or you know, midday at the south side covering the Steelers, you know, you just need a little break, and, you know, you, you can, you know there's a lot of talking going on at work. Like, yeah, I just want to be by myself a little bit, you know, have a little quiet time to myself, maybe a little reading, go through Twitter, and now I think I look forward to my public poopings. Oh, there's nothing better than getting paid to poop. <laughs> I mean, there are, but that is a pretty darn good thing to get paid for. As I mentioned, Chris Adamski of The Trip joining us here on the Crowley Show. Last thing on this topic. Actually, I got two more things. Uh, number one, I'm going to out this guy, Matt Williamson, who's a good friend. Uh, he works for Steelers Radio Network. That guy has to shower after every time he poops. <laughs> and the second thing is, really, you do it in the press box? I mean, how disgusting are you, Adamski? <laughs> I, what, sports writers? Are, are, so, the, so the radio, you're going to tell me the radio people are that much cleaner than the, than the, uh, you know, the radio of all industries, the music radio, whatever, the talk radio. Uh, than than sports writers and sports radio people, by the way. Oh, no, Uh, no. It has nothing to do with cleanliness because bathrooms are dirty by nature. Now, some are better than than others. It's about proximity. You go to Heinz Field (laughs) and you're in that press box, every single fat sports writer, and I'm I'm just lumping everyone in the same category, they're all peeing 15 times a game because they don't have the prostates. So they're going to hear you, they're going to see you, and that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's fewer games. That's a whole different thing. When you got a line, a crowded one like that, but you know the the, the pirate games, the, the, there's there's they sparsely attended. Similar to the seating bowl, the uh, press box is, is not very full. Adam, as you might know, you're a good man, Chris Adamski, <laughs> and I I wish you all the luck in the bowel movements to come. 
Uh, Chris, you have been covering the Pirates a bunch lately. You've been doing a lot of everything at the trip, and you've been doing a very good job. One of the reasons why, obviously, we had you on the program. Do you think that the Pirates clubhouse is divided on this issue, the issue of Rizzo's slide? Because it doesn't seem like they're coming out all in one front the way that the Cubs are here. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> in a, I don't know if you expect this answer or not, but I almost feel it's not unanimous. But they're almost pretty united, but not the way you might think they might be, or the way the fan base is, the way you know uh, a lot of you know media are, and I'm lumping myself in that too. That they almost seem pretty uh, united in that uh, you know Rizzo was in the right, and there wasn't a big deal there. Um, now, the, one of the notable exceptions is Elise Diaz, who of course took the, the brunt and the potential injury in, in, in the situation. And, and now I think more embarrassing or more to bruising to his, uh, you know, the physical bruises of, of that is now his ego or his, uh, you know, his competency in the baseball field has now been called into question by a World Series manager, uh, which I think is even worse in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, at least, you know, even kind of off the record, I, you know, these players and, and hey, the younger guys, I think there is a generational divide just from when that rule was changed. Uh, there's two different rules here, the home play rule and the, and the double play rule. That's you're talking two years ago, four years ago, and, and the average career now, especially in the Pirates clubhouse, there's not many guys, you know, there's a lot more guys, you know, under the four than, than, than over the four. Um, uh, but there's a, you know, generational divide here where the, the, the veteran guys thought it was a good play and so therefore don't see a need to do anything about it. The younger guys maybe see it differently, but even if they do, they're young guys in their first year and they're not going to be the ones to, you know, step on people's toes here and, and make a big deal out of it. So, uh, you know, uh, the fact that they're not united in one voice I, 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 and, you know, publicly and, and all that, I think is a little bit alarming. And we saw, uh, you know, discussions caught on camera that did not seem very uh, pleasant. So, there's something here, and the fact that I keep losing games and it's happening in the losing skid here, in the middle of a losing skid, I hope at the end of it, is, is not making it any better, that's for sure. Well, and there was this whole narrative at the beginning of the year that these guys love each other. Kutch was bringing too much pressure. So was Garrett Cole. And, well, it's fun whenever you can put on some Latin music and dance around when you win 7 out of 10. When you're winning 2 out of 11, uh, you're only hearing that song few and far between. So I feel like the clubhouse narrative... Uh, it shifted too much one way, and maybe it'll shift too much the other way now that they're losing. But uh, all that being said, I do think that there is a little bit of a problem. Chris Adamski joining us here from the Trib. Uh, I have to ask you a question uh, that we talked about on yesterday's show because I need to know your answer. Is a series a good series automatically if it goes seven games? Ooh. Um, I, you know, I would... Tend to say, yeah. I mean, no! you, you, I, I think that you have. You mean an aesthetically pleasing series? I mean, if you're involved in the series, if it's a sport you're following or team you're following or whatever, if you get to a seventh game, you have inherent drama there. You have the length. I mean, uh, or uh, I, I guess you can have a good sweep series, maybe. I think we'll do this way. I don't know. Maybe that Penguin Flyers series. Maybe if the Flyers win that, win Game Six in a blowout. Uh, you know, they, they win game six, eight to three or whatever it ended up being instead of losing it. And then, you know, game seven, the Penguins blow out win. Uh, you know, if that series didn't seem like there were many games that were very competitive. It just seemed like that series wasn't very entertaining and it went six. Maybe I'm answering against my own question here, but everyone uh, seems to do that on this point. Every single one of us <laughs> has done that on this exact same point. We've stumbled all over ourselves. Uh, I made a tremendous jelly bean analogy yesterday. I don't know if we have it. 
Uh, Brian LaMartina would have it. I don't know if Tom would have it. Uh, here's my analogy from yesterday where I was talking about jelly beans as it relates to seven-game <laughs> series in the playoffs. I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait to hear it either. <laughs> Tremendous jelly bean analogy. It's as if good I as gave you seven jelly beans. Oh, my God. What? And you ate all of them. Yeah. Jelly beans? Just listen. And only two of them tasted good. Okay. Would you say that the jelly beans were good? No. Those jelly beans were crap. That's not even... Yeah. Where, where do you draw the analogy between yeah. the jelly beans and the seven-game yeah. NBA series? There's a jelly bean in the what? NBA at one point, but that's as close as... Oh, yeah. That was me claiming victory after dropping that tremendous jelly bean analogy. Adam, I think that, to bring this whole conversation full circle, I think that analogy was poop, actually. Oh! <laughs> yes! I, I don't know how... I mean... You're talking about a series that, if you get to a seventh game, all right, you you have there could be bad games in there. I mean, I guess you're talking. I assume this is the context of basketball because we had a lot of bad. Yes. Okay, it had to be that. And, and there's, there's conference finals. Both of them were a lot of blowout games. The one theory didn't have much drama to them. And I don't know. Both of the game six and seven, particularly of the West ones, I watched more of those. Uh, you know, there was, and yet they ended up being double-digit margins of victory or defeat, of margins, margins of difference, whatever it would be. Uh, uh, but the other team had the, the Rockets had the double-digit lead earlier. Uh, there wasn't much drama at the end. Uh, I, I think the but I think that the the process of a playoff series is a continuum. That, that it's almost there's more energy if you're invested in it as a fan or you're an observer, whatever. You're invested in the series between the games, those days leading up to it, the anticipation, the the, the talk of the break, whatever. There's a storyline that still develops in and out and weaves in and out of the series, even if the games themselves on the field might not be that compelling per se, at least on a relative basis. They're still compelling because of what's at stake and because of the entire picture of this two-week sort of, you know, if it's seven games, it's a roller coaster ride. Adamski, I just, okay. uh, from the trip, he's joining us here in the show. I don't know why I asked him on. He's just he, Every time he comes on, he just tries to railroad my opinions. I just hope you know that the, <laughs> that the voting public is not with you on this one. Oh, really? Yeah, 64% of people on my Twitter feed say that a series is not automatically good if it goes seven games. Now, Tom said that that Twitter poll was flawed based on phrasing, so I did another one, and I said, if a series goes seven games, is it automatically a good series? And it did change the vote a little bit. 42% of the people are now saying yes. 58% well, are saying no. Well, let's reach out to Nate Silver and have a real scientifically done here with the proper verbiage and, and with no bias going into it because the people on your Twitter feed have now been exposed to your continuous, uh, um, you're you're, you're, you're persuading them because that's what you are. You're a master persuader, uh, um, Adam, and I mean that in, in, in a good way. And but you're also manipulator, which I part of me in a bad way. So you're <laughs> you're taking all these people's minds. As Joe Madden has said this week, you're taking these poor people's minds that don't know any better. These poor little fans that are just stupid about sports, and you're molding them and telling them that the a seven game series cannot be compelling, and therefore they're voting. Uh, based off what you've now been, I don't know. I'm just talking out of my, I'm talking out of my poop butt now since I used the word poop seven times during one radio hit. A couple of things here, Chris. Uh, one, okay. do you want to make this a weekly thing? I think we should make this a weekly thing. <laughs> I'm answering that. Yeah, we should. Yeah, make this it a should weekly be a weekly thing. thing. Yeah. I'm just saying it should be a weekly <laughs> thing. And two, if there was a Pittsburgh media member, I don't know if you've been following the Brian Colangelo story. If there was a Pittsburgh media member that had a burner Twitter account to defend himself. <laughs> Is there any chance it's anybody other than Mark Caboli? 
I see. I, you you maybe maybe I don't know where you're going with that. That kind of caught me off guard. Uh, you know, I, I think the odds are pretty good that there are, because you know he he has his eye. You know, I'm doing that thing right now, and this is radio, so the medium doesn't work. I'm pointing my two eyes, it's two fingers, and pointing out. You know what I mean? I got my eyes on you. <laughs> but that's what Kaboli does to all of us. He is the uh, you know if we had our own you know police or our own you know he has to be the chaperone for all Pittsburgh media. So I would bet he already does have some burner Twitter accounts. Yes. Adamski, this was tremendous. We're doing it again next week. We will not pay you, but you're going to do it because we're friends. <laughs> Damn it, how's that sound? And what better compensation than that, Adam? Happy pooping, my friend. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to everybody at the PNC Park Press Box now knows what's going to happen when they walk into this. <laughs> at some point. So. Just make sure that you wipe uh, front to back, okay? <laughs> I'll do so. There he goes, Chris Adamski, Tribune Review. That's a segment of the week right there. Hands off to him. Yeah, I mean, my God. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You just said hands off to him? Hats <laughs> off to him. I mean, my yeah, God. Right. That guy's great. That is just yeah. incredible. Gonna need to bring him back on every week. That might have been the best segment the show ever had. I think so the best too. guest for yes. sure. I mean, his opinions were whack, but other than that. Wow. Other than that, he was great. What do you mean he was spot on with his opinion? Damsky. Man. <laughs> that is good stuff. That was great. Coming up at 540, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. But next, it's Colangelo stuff. We have not spent enough time talking about it. And which Pittsburgh media member is most likely to have a burner account? It's a Crowley show. My whole life until my mid-20s, I was staunchly opposed to going to, to be anywhere but home. I tweeted this out at underscore Adam Crowley. Is Mark Caballi the most likely Pittsburgh media member to have a burner Twitter account? Who would it be if it's not him? Got this response from at underscore not Adam Crowley. Wow, great question, Adam. There's a reason why you're the best in the biz. Wow, got fans. Slack tweeted, pursuit of DK Labriol and Greg Brown. Labs might be a closet good one. Probably. To just tell all the people who are his haters off. Labs is the best, though. Labs would say it to your face, though. That's hated the thing. You. I was just thinking, like, Labs wouldn't even... He would be. He wouldn't want to waste his time. With, he'd be like, I don't need another account. No. And then he'd tell you you're an a-hole to your face. He ripped somebody at training camp. Maybe not this year, but the year before. I forget who it was, but he ain't afraid to throw it out. Pursuta, probably not. Pursuta's trying to stay off Twitter as much as possible. I've been at the bar with Pursuta... At training camp, and he's like, oh, I hate having to put up with this stuff. Although it could be a facade. Sod. Oh. Facade. Josh says, definitely DK, there's no close second. Yeah, I suppose, because he needs to be able to slide in a women's DM. John says, DK. DK blocked me, but maybe he's following right now with a burner account. The reason we bring this up is because Brian Colangelo, Vice President of Basketball Operations, the czar, whatever the hell you call him, for the Philadelphia 76ers, I literally have to clear my throat during Let Me Clear My Throat. You all right? Yep. Yeah. Sure. Yep. You needed a little more time? Yeah, you talk for a minute. 
Please uh, take this moment of silence while Adam Crowley clears his throat in a very obnoxious manner, making noises that sound like Tom eating wasabi. <gasps> it is uh, very uncomfortable in here, and we're just trying to get through to this topic, and we can't because he's clearing his throat. Now back to Adam Crowley. Brian Colangelo, the vice president or czar or whatever of football operations for basketball for the 76ers, he got five burner accounts, according to... This is when, Tom, you tell me who it is. because The Ringer. The Ringer! And I read the story. It was very long. It took me like 35 minutes to read. And it was great journalism. And what he was doing with these burner Twitter accounts was defending himself about weird things like fashion and also about basketball. He was ripping previous executives for the Philadelphia 76ers. He was trying to drop hints to beat writers... He was saying credible information from a non-credible source, hoping that they would sniff around it. It's absolutely a fireball offense. And it absolutely speaks to the fact that this guy just doesn't have self-confidence. And it also speaks to the culture that we're in, where it's so easy to be swayed. It's so easy to have your opinion affected by random people with eggs as their backgrounds. I cared a lot about what random people thought for a long time. I did. I would get offended. I would think I did a terrible show if somebody said, Crowley, you're doing a terrible show. Uh, It really made this job difficult for a long time. If you're a woman, I can't even imagine the way that you have to deal with that kind of stuff. Because not only are they telling you you suck, they're telling you that you're either attractive or unattractive, depending on what they feel about your opinions. They're commenting on things that they shouldn't be commenting about, about your physique. But that got to Brian Colangelo. It got to him. He was so affected by the opinion of sheep and strangers that he himself had to become five of those same eggs to combat the nonsense. I have friends who have fake trolling Twitter accounts. What's the reason? Because they want to have a good laugh. They want to troll people. They want to get people pissed off. And while it made me laugh, it's also not a very nice thing to do. It just isn't. You're trying to be mean just for the sake of being mean, and you're doing it for anonymity. That's it. So I don't blame Brian Colangelo for having these feelings. What I do, though, think is you've got to have a filter, man. You've got to know that you can't do this. You've got to be smarter you got to be careful. Everything that you tweet from whatever account you tweet can be linked back to you. And it took journalism, good journalism, to unearth all of this. But there are good journalists out there. Don't be tweeting stuff that you wouldn't want to say on your account. No, because the way this all broke down, the the author here on The Ringer, he got a, an anonymous call. It was a tip that came in. And the guy described himself as a cyber security expert. And what he did was he kind of had a hunch that it might be Brian. So he starts running like programs that he had designed to like match followers, to match things in a timeline, to match times that tweets happened. And and this is how he got the tip. And he's like, hey, I think this guy might be the guy. So, look, this is all cyber stuff, people. If you think you're getting away with something, there is always a way to find you. There is always a trail. And and that's exactly what happened. It led right back to him. 
And now the Sixers are investigating. They're doing a self-investigation. He's done. He's, he's got to be. Because, I mean, it, reading through this article, there's no way when you tie all of the uh, circumstantial stuff that is involved, there's no way this guy is not involved in all of these accounts. Well, case in point, and it goes back to your previous point and that one ties it all together, don't follow your son's baseball friends <laughs> Yeah, from Canada. All five of these accounts are following your son's baseball friends from freaking Canada. Yeah, or obscure business people that you just happened to do business with a couple months before that no one knows, and Whoops. you just happen to be following with all your accounts. My friends had that stupid burner account, and I wonder if it's still up. I'm going to look at it. But I never followed it because it was tweeting at people that I wanted them to tweet at who were giving me a hard time. No. <laughs> so it wasn't my burner account, but I had six friends who could log into this thing and rip people anytime they wanted to. <laughs> uh, I technically had a. I technically had one. It wasn't mine, but it was used for my benefit. It's true, but I made sure not to let it link back to me. That's smart. There were some bad things tweeted by that account. Let's see if it's still there. It's all your friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have a login, right? I did not. Yeah, I had the login. Did not have it. Right? I think it's dead. Oh no. This isn't great radio, but. It was at underscore RJPGH. I'm outing them. The underscore gave it away. Wait, you're like, you're spending all of this time, and you start with the at underscore? Damn it. <laughs> oh, no. Damn it. You're horrible at this. Damn it. And I did follow me. I lied about that before. You're really bad at this. I did follow me. I lied about it before. You're like Brian Colangelo, man. You're awful at this. Except Colangelo's better than him at this. <laughs> We found the one person worse at burner accounts than Brian Colangelo. And it's Adam Crowley. Thing, like, look, you got to do this <laughs> right. This is how you do it. You know, you don't follow yourself. And then you find out that you not only started with an at underscore, but you followed the damn thing. Do you think these two are giveaways? <laughs> at not underscore Adam Crowley. And at def underscore not underscore the underscore real underscore Crowley. <laughs> Who are those guys? That's uh, a couple of accounts. Couple of fans, fans, right? Yeah, I think they're fans. No, clearly not. There's uh no. I mean, because what kind of idiot would use an underscore in his burner account if he uses it in his real account? I should have done a straight dash, <laughs> homie. Dash, not Adam Crowley. Oh, it should have just been dash Adam Crowley. That's how you throw him off. Hmm. The next one that I do. <laughs> but it brings up the question: which is the media member that is most likely to have a burner account? I think it's Mark Caballi. I love Mark to death. I do. Get to know him at camps. Get to know him at OTAs, minicamp. We've shared a beverage or two. We've shared a sandwich or two. I like Mark a lot. But Mark likes to play media, please. And one way to do that is to slide on in with your burner account. And uh, Mark came in on Twitter, um, at underscore Adam Crowley. Uh, he said, I had to look up burner account. You kids with these fancy words nowadays. Oh, I feel classic. like he's throwing us off. He's trying to throw us off the scent. Classic diversion right there. Oh, you crazy kids with your burner accounts. And incidentally, that is, uh, let's see, that is eight minutes right after uh, a suspicious account um, that replied to this by, it goes, at hair underscore 2002 said he told me he had several. Mark? Mark? It's Mark. And I think that hair... He's a clue. It's a red herring. Oh. Caboli's mm-hmm. a clever guy. Yes, he is. And a red herring is a writing technique. Am I wrong? 
not a right. Is well, it, I mean, it comes out. It come, look, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not educated, but I, I think either. that comes from a book somewhere originally, like an like an old school book, like a classic. I think Red Herrings. Well, Red Herrings, it's like Nancy Drew. It's like Hardy Boys. Yeah, so there's some. Yeah, it goes back to something literary that a writer would be, you know, in touch. with. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're connecting him as the writer. Oh, right. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah, that was yeah. over my head. Yeah, it is something, especially a clue that is intended to be misleading or distracting. Yeah, Brian knows what a red herring yeah, is. Yeah, I know, Tom. I Thanks for the input. I agree that I... It is also a dried, smoked herring, which is turned red by the smoke. Get the hell out of here with what? that. What? Just shut up with that. I actually looked at Brian for the first time in my life like he was dumb. <laughs> and he <laughs> picked, did. He, he did. picked up on I it. I did. I really did. Uh, it's not because... Brian knows what a red herring is. <laughs> I did not catch the fact that he was talking about writing. He was trying to connect the writer portion of the guy's bio. Regardless, here's what you need to do. Brian is not dumb. I was. <laughs> so was Tom. Call up Randy Slack. Formerly the DV Morning Show. He listed five dudes. Four dudes. Again, with the lack of education. That he thinks would have burner accounts. Pursuit of DK, Labriel, and Greg Brown. I want to hear the reasons for each of them. Pursuit doesn't have one. There's no chance Pursuit has one. Pursuit is old school. Pursuit is only on Twitter because he has to be. DK now. <laughs> That's a really good one. DK's got, he follows 70,000 people on Twitter. You know what he does? He follows them and then mutes them. That's exactly what he does. Here we go, Adam. In literature, this. <clears throat> oh, for the love of God. No, no, no I got to clear wait, my throat. Wait a second. I caught it. Get, go, to, go in the corner. Brian is going to clear his throat obnoxiously. <clears throat> I am going to buy time for Brian, and when he's ready, he will tell you what a red herring in literature is. In literature, this fallacy is often used in detective or suspense novels to mislead readers or characters or to induce them to make false conclusions. Bam! We go down to Randy Slack, who does a morning show far, far away from here, but he used to do one here. Slack, who do you think is most likely to have a burner account in Pittsburgh Media? Well, uh, first of all, I got to say, well, thanks for having me on the show, by the way. Guys. Oh, for the love of God. Um, Mike Pursuta, number one. See, I can't believe that at all. That guy never wants to, he doesn't want to be on Twitter. Exactly. He's never on Twitter. But here's the thing. He's he's never on as himself. Who complains more about the people, about the fans that don't know anything? That's they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Nobody talks about that more than Mike. Wow. Nobody nobody feels like they know everything like Mike. I love Mike to death. But Mike believes that his opinion is end all be all, and I can good guarantee radio, yeah. I could see I could see Mike, I could see that. I there, think the fact that he's never on Twitter means he's always on Twitter. He is followed by an account called Bizarro Mike Prezuto. Oh dear God, we there got you him. Go. We got him. How about DK? I mean, the jokes just write themselves there. Uh, I mean, it's so obvious that it has to be him, right? Yes. Like. It, it, there's, there's really, there's, there's nothing to really say. It's like, well, of course it's him. To me, it's like I had to come up with guys other than DK because, of course, DK has like ten. Labs, I think, would just say stuff to people's face. But you think Labs might be one? <laughs> I, I could see, I could see, <laughs> I could, I could see, uh, I could see Labs uh, having a uh, having a Twitter account, maybe saying really mean things to Missy. Whoa! You know, he show. loves Missy. The show is terrible today. Well, I'm sure he, he does, but, you know, maybe if he just wants to critique her, he could just say it like, you know, 
Steelers Live was horrible. Your camera work sucked. And they're like, wait, who was that? And it could be him. How about Greg Brown? Um, and then Greg Brown, just because, well, I mean, as we've, as we've found out recently, you know, he can't really be trusted on Twitter. I don't really know if he knows how Twitter works, so he may have just accidentally created a few accounts. Thank you for your time, Slack. Get some rays. Of course, buddy. See ya. Be good. Slack would have a burner. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. It would be entertaining as hell, though. It would be. I mean, as much as his own account is. He toes the line on his account and has some really funny things at Slackamania. But if he wanted to go full profanity, he would. Mm -hmm. On a burner. Coming up next, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by... To be determined. Crowley Show. We were nervous about his first sleepaway camp. She was. With Total Wireless, I got him the phone he loved. It's sick. On the nation's largest, most dependable 4G LTE network for a lot less than I expected. So we can always stay in touch. Every half hour? That's an exaggeration. (laughs) You got this with Total Wireless. Get the nation's largest and most dependable 4G LTE network for $25 per line for four lines. Available at Walmart for an everyday low price. Total Wireless. Total confidence. Please refer to the latest terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com. Now I'm just like thinking every everybody's got. Yeah, there's two. Everybody has five burner accounts. Like I'm deep in Mike Prezuda's followers now, and I'm just I'm trying to like find connections. Should Roseanne have? If she wanted to be racist, she should just use a burner account. No, imagine the racist stuff she's saying on her burner accounts. If she's saying what she said on her, it'd be a burning cross account. I think it's. The poos, like the Pirates' playoff chances, have been flushed. The water's back on. Yeah! All toilets clear. I went in and flushed my own. I flushed Scotros. Oh! Hey, he's a good guy. I'm happy to do it for him. It was, it was a nice one, dude. Let me tell you. That's disgusting. But I admire you for having done it. The people I like, I got their back, man. Josh Yoey, oh boy, quote tweeted my tweet where I said, is Mark Caballi the most likely Pittsburgh media member to have a burner Twitter account, and who would it be if it's not him? Josh Yoey says, I don't know. Mark doesn't strike me as that type. Logical candidates would probably probably be those who avidly block people, I'd say. What are we talking about? Is it DK? Dejan? I'm just, I don't know. It's very veiled what he's trying to say there. I don't understand. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, just spitballing. Mark's not insecure, though. I think you have to be insecure to do it. Although, on some level, Kaboli is. Maybe even on the surface, now that I think about it. He's always policing me. Don't say that, Crowley. Don't say this. He's a he's a sly rumor monger, that guy. Mark Kaboli. He'll, he'll go for the rumors a little bit. I love him to death, as I do with Josh Yoey, too. Great humans. But I wouldn't put it past either of them to have a burner account. It's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. The Steelers have a new set of throwbacks. The 1978 Steelers uniforms. 
which means they're going to the block lettering. I like them. They're neat. They're clean. They're badass. Now, they're not flashy. They're not out there. But their last throwbacks were flashy and out there, and people didn't like them. Although some people did. That's the weird thing. I thought they were hideous. I hated the white on the back because you could never read the players' names from the press box. That sucked. But people still bought them. People are going to buy these in droves. Everybody that you know that's a Steelers fan is going to own an Antonio Brown 84 block letter 1978 jersey. It's going to happen. Now, some of the authentic ones are on the Steelers Pro Shop right now for $324? That's the authentic. All right, so I wouldn't go with the stitching one. I wouldn't go with the ones that are stitched. Go one step below authentic. Yeah, you're also looking at the uh, throwback replica 99.95 and the throwback limited 149.95. Oh, that's not bad. You got some tears there. People will buy them. A lot of people will buy them. Half of Heinz Field will be wearing them coming up week number two of the Pittsburgh Steelers season. It's going to happen. So the Steelers didn't do anything wrong here. I don't think that they did anything earth-shattering. I like it. And that's really what you want with throwbacks. You don't want to go so far back that it looks dumb. Think about the Jets and the Packers. Those old-school uniforms that they wore that changed the colors. They look like poop, frankly. The Packers ones did. And, in fact, actually, so did the Jets. That's the kind of stuff you want to avoid. And the Steelers did a good job here of avoiding that. Moving on. The NFL Network came out with a list. They're taught 15 touchdowns in Super Bowl history. Number 14 was the Randall L. to Heinz Ward touchdown pass in Super Bowl 40. That is, to me, the iconic moment from that game. But Tim Benz argued on the trip, breakfast with Benz, that that's not even the best touchdown from that game. He said the best touchdown from that game is Willie Parker's run, and while I agree that it was more historically significant because it was the longest touchdown run ever in a Super Bowl to that point, I don't think it's the one that most people remember. Alan Fanica pulls, it was huge. But the throwback from Randall L. Heinz Ward jumps as he crosses the goal line. That's what I'll always remember from that Super Bowl. In fact, Tom, Super Bowl 40. Willie Parker touchdown or Randall L. throwback touchdown? It's the Randall L. touchdown pass yeah. to Heinz Ward. That's the only play that I really remember. Honestly, I think I remember the Ben quarterback sneak more than I remember the the... Parker run. The, the Ben run for the end zone? Yeah, but I think that they wanted to leave that one out of this list because it might not have been a touchdown. Sorry, Yenzers. Just kidding. No, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me, please. And if you do, my burner accounts will kick your ass. Number 13 was Bradshaw's 64-yard bomb to Lynn Swan in Super Bowl Nine. It is gorgeous. Bradshaw chucked it 60 yards in the air while avoiding a hit and then getting crushed. That was awesome. I think that one should actually be a little bit higher on the list. James Harrison's 100-yard interception return for a touchdown in Super Bowl 43 was what? Nine? 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 Are you kidding me? Ninth? Ninth? Like after eighth? Ninth? Before tenth? Like after eighth? Ninth? Well, that brings up a question. Whenever you're talking about a list... Is after 
after numerically, or is after after in the way that you would go about reading the list? I'm confused. That's why I threw both in. Yeah, good work by you. Thank you. Tom just confused me. But seriously, ninth? 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 It is, to me, the greatest touchdown in Super Bowl history. And while it's ninth, I think that speaks highly to its historical value, but he ad-libs. He stops the touchdown. It's a 14-point swing because he goes 100 yards the other way. Larry Fitzgerald can't catch him because he's all caught up in the sideline hoopla. And he dives to the pylon and then lays there and breathes the entire halftime show. I forgot who did halftime in Super Bowl 43, but he was laying on the field the entire time as it was going on. He was listening to the fine tunes the entire time. That, to me, is number one. Now, what number one was on this list was also a Steelers moment. Santonio Holmes, game winner in the same game, Super Bowl 43. It's hard to argue that one. The drive was badass. The throw was awesome. The catch for him to get his tippy toes down and for Ben to find a way to get it over all three of those defenders, it's the only place he could have gone. That makes it, for me, right up there. But I put James Harrison's there, too. Both plays obviously decided the game. I mean, that one literally did win the game. But so did Harrison's. Tyler Matikiewicz will probably never score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He's lined up with the Steelers' first team for the fourth practice in a row. Keith Butler said last week that the biggest emphasis for the Steelers this offseason is stopping the run. And that's a good point because they didn't stop the run very well last year. But they also didn't get better personnel in terms of stopping the run, did they? I guess... It all matters on how you view Edmonds. Is Terrell Edmonds going to be a box safety? Safety play, no matter what, does affect the running game, but to what end? Steelers did give up a lot of plays on the running, on the ground, pardon me, and a lot of big plays, and safety can prevent that from happening. But how good is the run defense going to be if Tyler Matikiewicz is lining up alongside Vince Williams? He's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's a smart, instinctual football player, but that doesn't mean he's going to be great at stopping the run when everyone that he's trying to combat with is bigger than him and more athletic than him and probably deserves to be in the league more than him. That's not to say Tyler Matikiewicz can't be a useful football player, and obviously the Steelers love him. But I'm going with Bostic. Bostic can help you. Allow Bostic to be the starting inside linebacker alongside Vince Williams. Hopefully you can go out and get a guy like Michael Kendricks, although he visited with the Browns today and it doesn't seem likely it's going to happen in Pittsburgh. You can't go into this season with what you had last year and just expect it's all going to be different on that side of the ball. And I realize Tyler Matikiewicz is better than Sean Spence. He's better than what they had there after Ryan Shazier got hurt, but he's no more than a league average player. And Boston got 100 tackles last year. I don't love it. I don't love it at all. That's the great unsponsored football segment. Filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Matt Geica says he may or may not have used a burner account in the past. Tom says Paul Alexander. What the hell's Paul need a burner account for? Don't hear much of Paul lately. Good dude. Like Paul Alexander. But he himself has kind of turned into a burner account. I'm just kidding, Paul. You're a good man.
Vegas Knight Superfan says Madden Pony or Dunlap. I did have a buddy who one time had Dunlap slide in his DM. For real. Really? Yeah, but he didn't say anything offensive. My buddy did. My buddy commented, I think, on a picture of Dunlap and his kids, and he said, Wow, man. You had to have sex to have kids. I thought you were a virgin. It was something completely stupid like that. And Dunlap slid into his DMs and said, I have had many conquests. <laughs> if I were him, I just would have said that outright. I just would have tweeted that online. Uh, out to the public. Conquests? Conquests. Hmm. Hmm. Paul Alexander, though, that's out of left field. A lot of people saying DK. I get it. There's factions of people, lunatics as they say, who will follow that man to his grave. How many of them are fake? We'll never know. Unless the ringer writes up a piece on. Who was it that was buying all the followers? Was that Britt McHenry? Yeah, sure. It was Britt McHenry. Okay. You don't remember that story? I vaguely remember it, but yeah, let's just go with Britt. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, Britt Britt did it. That's Britt McKenna. Yeah. Bonnelly's Twitter followers. Yeah. How dare dare her? I mean, should I buy some? Yeah, why not? How much do followers cost? It's hard to say, but you can pay a company that will have people sitting there all day long creating new Twitter accounts. Like a troll farm. Troll farm. Exactly that. And they will follow the bleep out of you. Yep. And they'll do it discreetly, too. Well, as much as you can. It'll be like 45 this week, 107 the next week, 64 the week after that. They're not going to just all of a sudden all follow you at once. But this is not really on point, so we're just going to move on. That's what I'm going to do. Coming up next, the Pirates flubbed it. No balls in the clubhouse is suffering because of it. Yikes! It's a Crowley Show. Pizza lovers, do you dream of piles of pepperoni, mounds of mushrooms? Mushrooms. Why don't we fulfill those pizza fantasies? Pizza fantasies. Download the Little Caesars mobile app and create your favorite large extra most bestest pizza with an outrageous amount of toppings. Now that's music to my mouth. Little Caesars Extra Most Bestest Pizza, starting at just six bucks, the world's easiest way to outrageous amounts of toppings at participating locations plus tax. Pizza, pizza. I feel confident in eating now. Now that the toilets are back yeah. up and operational. Yeah, <laughs> you've been waiting to eat that the whole time. It changes, man. It changes the whole mindset of the day. But all of a sudden, I don't have to go anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, now that I can, it's like the forbidden fruit is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, real talk, I wouldn't say it on the air. But, I mean, like, you got to hold it, you know? I, mean, I kind of like the me. idea of pooping on someone else's